0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the planet premier league podcast.
0: Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. One guest this week, where we'll do a sort of an abridged uh, Sports Media Podcast. But I am uh, very pleased to be joined by Kavitha Davidson, sports and culture writer for The Athletic, host of the Culture Calculus Podcast. She is a regular on this podcast, and we will mostly do Olympics-based uh, media talk as well as some Simone Biles talk. Kavitha, how are you?
1: Doing well. Thank you for having me, Richard.
0: All right. So let's I want to here's what I want to start with. This is not you don't necessarily have to look at it under a media prism, but but this is always interesting to me. How much Olympics are you watching And, and what are you watching?
1: A lot, I will say. I think this happens every two years, frankly, not even every four years. I end up getting consumed by the Olympics in real time, and then I end up rewatching what I've already seen in prime time. So, uh, it's 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 been it's been a, 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 an interesting, let's say, like six days.
0: All right. So, again, anybody who sort of either writes about this or is sort of an Olympics geek understands that. One of the annual traditions uh, every couple of years, in addition to the torch lighting, is just torching NBC for something. <laughs> um, so in this case, there's certainly been um, the traditional complaints about, you know, live versus, uh, you know, your ability to watch something live, not necessarily mm-hmm. on big NBC, but you have to watch Peacock. Obviously, people complaining about if you want to watch the men's basketball tournament live, you got to get... Um, you got to get Peacock Premium unless you have a cable service. There are people who um, I think are still a little confused about authenticating their own cable to um, to get all the the um, you know NBCOlympics.com stuff that they can get. You know, the reality is you can pretty much watch anything live if you have a cable subscription. But I'm not sure if the messaging is so great that everybody knows that. In your own experience, Kavitha, have you been able to watch what you wanted to watch or have you had to struggle for some things?
1: So I, the answer is both. Um, I have definitely struggled to find the things that I wanted to watch because I was trying to use Peacock. I am one of the very few millennials who has a cable subscription. so um I was able to authenticate and to sign in um, on the NBC Olympics app in order to find the the things that I wanted to watch. I could not, for the life of me, and I felt super old doing this, but I could not for the life of me, figure out how to navigate peacock properly. i don't I don't think I'm alone in that no, um, wrestling f- but
0: <laughs> I know a lot of wrestling fans who drives them crazy. they're not they're not they're not super they are not, not super love with the uh, the streaming service.
1: It, it was just it. It's uh, Peacock has not been great to me. I'll put it that way. Um, but once I figured out the NBC Olympics app, then I I really got to like take ownership over what I wanted to see and what I didn't. And that's when I was uh, watching surfing, for example. Yeah, so. which I
0: loved. Actually, I, <laughs> actually, I think the NBC app is good. Um, uh, you know, I usually just because it's quite frankly just better. Um, it's 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 easier to navigate. I I watch a lot of my stuff through the CBC. Uh, app live, uh, which is really easy to navigate and very user friendly. But uh, but you know when I've when I've been on NBC, I find that website and Olympics app pretty good to to navigate. All right, so let's so that's the Kavitha Davidson experience when it comes to the Olympics. Now let's talk about um, a little bit writ large, per Sports Media Watch, uh, who I appreciate chronicling this every day, along with a number of others, um, as of uh sort of take it as we're taping this on a friday so roughly uh we'll take it through wednesday night and thursday primetime olympic viewership was down 48 percent on nbc uh including cable and streaming wednesday night second smallest primetime audience ever for the summer olympics um they're averaging around 15, 16, 17 million, sort of depending on um, what they're hitting. Um, this is essentially down, Kavitha, like uh, 40, 45, 48% uh, versus Rio, depending on sort of you know how you ultimately want to play it. The larger story here is that Olympic viewership from previous Olympics is way down. Now, there's a time difference here. So some of that, is partly time difference, but I think there's more to this story because NBC's sort of premise here or their thesis was that the Olympics were going to be this communal experience that everybody the
1: galvanizing w- event, right? Galvanizing right?
0: event. Um, it was going to help us in a in a in a in a post-COVID universe, people were going to gather around and really celebrate and come together as a polarized nation. Like that has just not come close to happening. So I wonder if you have, I mean, I have some thoughts as to the why, but I wonder if you have some thoughts as to the why uh, viewership, particularly primetime viewership is so, so down compared to other Olympics.
1: I mean, I think first and foremost, it's, it's summer after a year of not having Outdoors, right? And, you know, masking and vaccination uh, notwithstanding, people are outside and doing things. I think that um, sports and watching the Olympics are not one of those things that people are doing after a year of not being able to do a lot. So I think that that's very basic. That's a very basic part of it. The other thing is, frankly, I mean, haven't we been seeing this trend, not so drastically, but haven't we been seeing this trend for just years now? Um, and we're seeing that with, with the Super Bowl. We're seeing that with the World Cup. um viewership is fine but it's definitely on a downward trend and i think that that's just a function of the fact that people aren't watching the same things that they used to and they're definitely not watching them at the same time
0: yeah i think the, i think your first part may you may be onto something with the first part in terms of people um you know sort of people just m- making the decision to opt not to watch television and to to do other things i do think the time difference. Um, is playing it makes a huge difference a we saw
1: this with pyeongchang right. as well yeah. right now
0: beijing was obviously through the roof but you can't compare mm-hmm. it to beijing 2008 may as well be 1776 when it comes to the exactly television universe yeah. it's just it's a different it's a different universe um i will say actually thank you sports media watch the olympics are averaging 17.2 million in prime time as of uh thursday night that's a full 11 million viewers short of the NBC-only average in 2016, so a big drop. So I think the other thing, too, I mean, I think there are a number of factors. I think you you can't really make um, great evaluations when it comes to COVID, Kavitha, because these are, so, these are individual in everybody's homes, and you have no idea how people are going to want to deal with, you know, 16 months of this, whether, like, being around a television is something that they want, or they're making other choices, or perhaps they're, you know, they're actually dealing with the... With the disease, so you know, television or sort of entertainment becomes a a secondary function. A
1: secondary, yeah.
0: Yeah. The the other thing too is, and I think this is real. Like it it is very hard to watch these games, and I'm an Olympics geek. With no crowd, it just it doesn't feel atmospherically not interesting. it's not the right? It doesn't feel like an Olympics to me. It doesn't feel like the atmosphere of the Olympics where you have the world sort of gathering in this place and. And people of all different nations, like so super excited about what they're seeing in front of them. It just feels sterile and antiseptic. And I, I, I just I could tell you as a television viewer, I'm still gonna watch it. Obviously, one, it's my job. Two, I'm a geek. But I think if you're a casual sports fan, I, I think it turns you off. That's 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 a guess.
1: Well, well, that's interesting. Um, do you also think that maybe it's because outside of gymnastics in this first week? And and probably Katie Ledecky, the United States has uh, has not had people that um that are headliners or or household names. Yes. And like, I mean, we're we're talking about swimming right now, right? Outside of Katie Ledecky, can you name a male swimmer who is transcendent?
0: Well, I mean, I can name a ton of male swimmers. Right. But, you know, I work. Both of us work. The for average. Pretty, yeah, we, yeah. We, <laughs> both of us work for a sports <laughs> site that covers the Olympics. We better know this. But yes, nobody. Caleb Dressel is not a household yeah. name. Um, you know, in the middle of the country. And I do think that, um, and I'm probably guilty of this as well. I, I think
1: if people are watching for Lily King, which I mean, phenomenal, but right. I don't think that that's 15 million people. My,
0: what I was going to say is I don't think we probably have any idea how much value Michael Phelps had to NBC and mm-hmm. the millions and millions of people who just happened. If they happen to know one Olympic athlete, like they knew Michael Phelps, and that they knew he had a chance for seven, eight medals. And you know, you told your like, you know, cousin that hey, I'm going to be, you know, uh, you want to check out the Olympics tonight because Michael Phelps is going for medal right. X. I think Usain Bolt had a little bit of that. Um, it's a little different. He's not an American athlete. Uh, competes in less events than Phelps. But I think one of the things um, I've come to think for these Olympics is I, I think Michael Phelps was probably a bigger star. Then I realized because I, I do think that was part of the reason that swimming became a destination place for just average sports fans, not swimming fans.
1: Yeah, I think that um, before Michael Phelps, the Summer Olympics was always a track and field Uh, like event, right? Like that was, uh, that was, it was track and field and gymnastics that that really drew in the average Olympics viewer. And that's not where we are right now. Um, And then we, I know that we're going to get into this whole discussion, but that's also why it's been so detrimental for ratings and for the narrative to not have Simone Biles there.
0: So here's my, this is, I I was totally wrong about this. My, and I'm glad you sort of, nice see you're a former, you're you're, you're not a former, you're a (laughs) podcast host. I can do the segue. Way, yeah, right so you know segways better than me <laughs> yeah i mean you've actually hosted a legitimate podcast compared to myself for a couple of months.
1: well thank you for legitimizing yeah. that but <laughs> so um
0: so the like my premise would have been when um when Simone Biles pulled out of of the team competition my premise would have been yes you heard about it yes you know about it but man you want to see it like you want to see how this thing unfolded and you're going to get to NBC to check out sort of what happened, how the broadcasters talked about it, you know, what was going on there. I was wrong. Like it did not, it did not bring a whole mass of people to, um, to the primetime coverage and the news itself, once it was out, seemed to sort of be, I guess what Americans would be interested in versus sort of watching how it unfolded. So I was wrong. Would you have... Like, would you have guessed what I guessed or would you have been like the opposite? Like, hey, it's thir- it happened 13 hours ago. It's old. Nobody needs to see NBC's packaged narrative kind of story of how this came to be.
1: I think both. And NBC also does a a, a very I don't know if good is the right term for that, but uh, NBC does a very good job of keeping those clips away from social media, right? So if you are seeing the breaking news of Simone Biles pulling out of the team competition, you're probably not seeing the first vault that led her to do that, right? Unless you're reading about it or unless you're you and I. Um, I... I wish that that were the case, though, because I think that it would have, it would serve, it would just serve Olympic viewership, and it would serve um, drumming up more interest in watching these games. If that were, if that were possible. That being said, um, I think everybody read and had a lot of opinions about Simone Biles without actually seeing what happened to lead to that. And that did her and, and frankly, the narrative a complete disservice. All right.
0: Well, no, once again, another brilliant segue by you. Thank you for doing that. So um, I want to get your impression of how you view the coverage of, um, of Simone Biles uh, over the last couple of days. Let me first say I thought, by and large, NBC did a good job in terms of that, especially that first night. And I thought Michael Phelps was incredibly important to bring on. To Michael
1: talk. Phelps, I mean. It might have been the highlight of, of the
0: gymnastics coverage, interestingly enough.
1: Yeah, Michael Phelps has been kind of a revelation, and I am not usually one of the, um, I, I don't always think that athletes are the best commentators. Michael Phelps has been phenomenal. Yeah. So and he, and, credit and where credit's due.
0: Unique, unique um, insight into pressure um, the pressure of the Olympics. I think Michael Phelps was pretty honest about suicidal thoughts. Um, I don't know if that was during during his Olympic run or post Olympics, but you know he's been very very honest about sort of the pressure of the rings and the pressure of gold and and how that impacts uh, people and how athletes need to, and how people one need to have a better understanding of the pressure on athletes, particularly Olympic athletes, and to perhaps just uh, better mental health kind of. Uh, um, you know, uh, mental health training as part of the physical training. So inevitably there were going to be assholes who had to take that Simone Biles, you know, quit. Simone Biles isn't a real American. You know, the, this is the, the pussification. She let
1: her team down yeah, pussification by. Pussification of by, America. Right. I mean,
0: whatever. There's a lot of. The
1: pussification, the feminization of America. Right. There's a lot like, of let's right just call it what they right it. it right? I shouldn't even
0: say extremists. A lot of right wing trolls who make their bones on that bullshit. Um, that's, listen, And trust me, I wish I had uh, better—I wish I was better about avoiding them and and not liking and cheering when people dunk on them. That said, Kavitha, I have to admit, I've been pretty—I've been surprised and kind of— Inspired by so many really well thought out pieces that I've read since this happened, from people explaining to me about the twisties and gymnastics, to other well known famous um, gymnasts coming on and explaining sort of what's happened, to I think the overwhelming majority of people who have supported Simone Biles, if if nothing else, I think I think I mean I'm all, you could always be wrong here, I do think that this moment. Is gonna cause, at least in in people who are willing to sort of be open minded here and thoughtful, a little bit of a of a pause on on the kind of pressure we put on Olympic athletes, particularly young women who are in gymnastics. I, I I don't know, I read a lot of things and I saw a lot of things. And rather than hyper focus on the assholes, I was kinda like, you know, this is a good moment. Like I, I feel like there's a lot of smart people who've gotten their voice out there. How how did you see it?
1: I mean I do I do see it that way and I don't know if this is because like my Twitter is extremely highly curated I don't mostly have the assholes in my mentions um, and I, I was I, I've been doing a lot of media recently I was asked uh, from the BBC how this is being taken in the United States and I think one of the things that I have noticed is yes like I'll always like the loudest people are the most obnoxious people but I do think that there is from what I've seen overwhelming support and even if it's not just outright support I've seen way more understanding and way more capacity to learn and to understand about what's going on here like we've talked about the yips for 20 years yeah, right absolutely. Um, the I mean Chuck no, I'm a Yankees fan Chuck Noglock not being able yeah. to Steve throw first him, there you go yeah, yeah. Um, the twisties is a term that if you're not a huge Olympics fan I don't think you've heard until this week right um, and the idea of how dangerous that is how dangerous the sport of gymnastics is um, and I have said that uh, gymnastics is a sport that is so dangerous that we don't acknowledge is as dangerous as it is because it's mostly women in the United States that we know who are performing the sport um, but at the same time the 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 fact that we have explainers the fact that we have you know the feeling of getting lost in the air quote unquote which is what the Twisties feels like um, from gymna- from from gymnasts who are are writing about this is I think a little bit revolutionary that also is a a continuation of a conversation that we've had for at least a year um, I actually bring it back to when. Um, Paul George and Kyrie Irving were talking about what it was like to to be in the NBA bubble last year, and then obviously Naomi Osaka withdrawing from the French. Um, These are not conversations we've had before. So in that sense, it is... It is new. It is absolutely new, and just, like, putting words to that phenomenon, putting words to any kind of mental health issue is is important.
0: Yeah, listen, you got to just realize that there's always going to be a way to monetize. Like, I, I, by the way, this is not a cancel culture conversation. You, ha, I, I have all these shit opinions you want. I'm, I'm not... Stop. i'm not saying stop it or anything like that i loathe skip bayless i've never once written that fox sports should should fire or cancel the guy but people should just know that there's always someone enabling this like there's always someone behind the asshole with the voice you need a distribution engine to to send that out there so you know if piers morgan is going to do his bullshit well he can do it on his twitter feed that's one thing but the daily mail is a massive enterprise and when they put that column out there you know that's who you should really be mad at. You should be mad at the Rupert Murdochs of the world. Uh, he doesn't own the mail anymore, but the Rupert Murdochs of the world for putting shit out on Fox. Not necessarily. I mean, you can be mad at the person doing the opinion too, but I, what I guess I'm trying to say is there's usually money behind the institution it to,
1: that to, upholds that. Yeah, there's right? money
0: behind it to uh, to monetize. Um, one the, one other thing I liked about NBC here, and again, it's early, so they could still f this up, quite frankly, but they they didn't necessarily do a um, Suni Lee versus Simone Biles. You know what I'm saying? Like they didn't they didn't necessarily frame it around Suni Lee came in in an emergency situation to save the day from the forlorn Simone Biles. You know what I mean? Like they focused on here even
1: before Suni won that gold. Jo- Jordan Childs was, I mean, absolutely a hero of of the U S being able to take silver in, 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 in the team competition. Right. I
0: like, I just like that the host broadcaster in this case is seemingly focused on her and her individual brilliance, as opposed to her within the larger narrative of, of Biles isn't there. Now, again, it's early and me and you are taping this before the individual um, apparatus competition. So the story is not, not over. We don't know what Simone Biles is going to do there. We don't know um, who's going to compete. Um, for the U.S. team and elsewhere. But I, I, I'm going to be curious to just read and pay attention to what the stories are that come from, um, you know, that come from this. Because I think this could, in, in a very, very hard and tough moment for one of the most famous athletes on earth, something good may come of this beyond her. And, and, and it does feel like at least a little bit more of an understanding of this stuff. And if it helps one future athlete or if it helps just some young person in the future, that's a good thing.
1: I think so. I I, I think that's absolutely right. I think that we're also like, I haven't seen us talk enough about what Suni Lee was able to do last night at at time of uh, this taping. Um, I think
0: that's coming, though, don't you think? I I think her story is just at the beginning. We're going to, she's going to be everywhere.
1: She's going to be everywhere. This is definitely um, this is definitely a breakthrough moment. Uh, this is also in a whole context of anti-AAPi violence that we've seen in in the United States, um, and you know she's but she's so relatable, um, and that's that's one of the things that I think we've seen. What makes Olympians resonate isn't just gold; it's relatability. And you know, she had a TikTok immediately after she she won gold, where she just ate a pizza, um, and that was the first thing that she said in in her interview. She was like, "Well, I, I won gold. I'm gonna eat a pizza." Um, and I, I I get it. I uh, I think also, you know, it's it's really it's really we can't overstate how how important it is to talk about the fact that. Simone Biles is putting herself first. I do think that this is a conversation that we've been trying to have for many years. I also think that even without, if you put aside mental health from this conversation, this is a conversation that we've had starting with NFL players uh, retiring very early just to put their own future health, their own futures um, a, as a priority, right? And and we like Andrew Luck, we can go down the line. Um, it's, it's a continuation of that idea of the fact that the immediate glory and, and you're playing sports or you're doing your sport right now isn't the thing that matters to you the most because you still have 40 or 50 years of the rest of your life to live. And that's not something that we're used to talking about and that also speaks to as fans or as media how much we expect from these athletes and what we think that they owe us and they don't actually owe us very much
0: yeah i think for simone biles this is a safety issue first and foremost and then after that becomes um physical health mental health the sort of the you know the pressure of athletics and stuff but she made a choice basically that um to me was safety safety above all and that if she's not comfortable in the air with how she ultimately may land or perform her movement, she had to uh, think of herself first. It does make me think, Kavitha, that a place like the Athletic, uh, you know, whatever other other publications that uh, care about doing quality work and have investment, um, I feel like they should have a, a mental health sports reporter. I just feel like that beat. I, I'm not saying Simone Biles that the this is whole, the, her story is only a question of mental health. I think me, Kavitha, and I have sort of said pretty clearly it's not. But I I just think that subject matter is so interesting so important I think so many people can relate to it even if you're not a professional athlete and you know we we did some of it at Sports Illustrated my colleagues David Epstein Pablo Torre and some others uh, did work on that and frequent work on that for David Epstein but it never really became a beat and I've always thought that this would be a pretty interesting beat for a sports place to to have
1: I mean that that's I think that you, you can't go wrong when you have somebody uh, on staff who actually knows how to talk about these issues. Right. Um, and I think that in, in general, we don't have enough people in sports media who represent or who have the vocabulary or the wherewithal to cover either mental health issues, disabled issues, um, transgender issues right so that's like not to equate those three things but I, I, I think that it, it could serve uh, media companies to have people who are uh, more uh, more equipped to talk about to talk about that I will say just in the last three four months or so probably starting with Naomi um, I've been asked from global media appearances that I've done, much more about mental health than I've ever in the past and it's just been a concentration of that so I do think that uh, That uh, you know, there needs to be an understanding here and it can't just come from you know an ancillary We're seeing, you know, we're seeing what's happening here and let's comment. Let, let, let's comment on that um, There does need to be more expertise and it's so hard also I think that there's so many pitfalls to fall into um, when you are talking about, uh, about about these kinds of issues that there needs to be a sensitivity around it that probably does require a, a separate a separate hiring.
0: SUNY Lee's parents immigrated from Laos, I believe, correct, mm-hmm. right? Immigrants, they get the yes. job done once again. Um, <laughs> all right, so last thing I
1: want to... I don't think I've ever done a podcast with you without a Hamilton reference, I'm also going to say.
0: A, which is... I, and I th- I've only seen Hamilton uh, um, <laughs> uh, on uh, not live. plus Yeah, 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 exactly. J- by the way, J- I, I feel like... The person who is the massive, like, Hamilton, like, line dropper all the time is Jane McManus. Like, she can't go a conversation without dropping a Hamilton.
1: I love Jane to death. Um, I believe she saw Hamilton in New York, which I'm extremely jealous of. The only time I've seen Hamilton live was in London um, on July 4th. You fancy person. (laughs) Pretty
0: sweet. All right. Let's finish up with with this. The... um... As I'm asking this question, I'm thinking of the Cole, Cole Beasley uh, presser. Um, but how much, um, how much of a story do you think COVID and the NFL and vaccinations will ultimately be? I, I feel like you know training camp is sort of like where the rubber meets the road. But you know, I, I've followed it very interestingly. A lot of the um, there's been some loud player voices who who are who have indicated at least at this point they may not get vaccinated i do wonder if that ultimately changes as we get close to the the season but
1: um i i, I just there have also been a lot of loud non-voices yeah, right? yeah.
0: <laughs> what do you think though i mean like you know the league threw out a the league sent out a stat or, or the other day that it, i think it's in the high 80s in terms of actual vaccinations right now so i don't know maybe like in three months this isn't a story but um I wonder your your impression of it because so far it's gotten a lot of ink, basically uh, COVID in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wish that I actually had more insight into this because last year when the NFL was just completely treating things as if there wasn't a global pandemic going on, I thought that not. Wishing for it But I thought that Things were going to go south And the NFL pulled off Having a full season They absolutely did They had the Super Bowl On time Um, And the NFL Is a perpetually oiled machine That can That can pull that That kind of thing off I I wish that more players Were getting vaccinated Frankly It's it's actually really distressing um, To see What We're going to continue seeing Which is more players Who are coming out And either saying I don't think it's going to be The Cole Beasleys Who are Let's let's just not give him more airtime. Um, but I do think that um, you know if if i were a betting person i would bet on the nfl getting this done um getting their players mostly vaccinated that being said you know we've seen in major league baseball the 85% threshold being met by teams that are still having some kind of outbreak um and 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 players on those teams the 15% of those players or however many percentage that that's going to end up being obfuscating on the question of whether or not they've been vaccinated I I don't know. I think that football in particular is also just such an addiction, especially in the United States, that um, I don't know. I don't think that people, even people who are pro-vaccination, are are going to care that much when September comes around um, about who is vaxxed and who isn't. And that's kind of sad. That's
0: interesting. I mean, I, I have to... I mean, you know, it's something I think a lot of Americans think about all the time. It is amazing to me that this became a political issue. It didn't have mm-hmm. to. We could probably do a five-hour podcast as to—
1: About just that? Uh, yeah, yeah, as
0: to the why. But I, I, I think at a at a fundamental level, Kavitha, I imagine you agree with me on this. I, I think no matter how an individual may feel about vaccinations and freedom and what it theoretically represents to them, blah, 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 at the end of the day— if if you have that kind of high paying job in, in what is ultimately a private very hard club to get into, it, I, I think <laughs> I would just be stunned if I'm not. Maybe they don't get a hundred percent, but if they don't get like, I will be stunned if they don't get like ninety nine point eight, ninety nine point nine. I just I, I don't think people are going to give up their um, their lucrative financial career um, for whatever their feelings may be on not taking the vaccine. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. And I think the NFL will ultimately get what it wants. And what the NFL wants, of course, is not to lose any kind of um, inventory, any kind of game which will screw up with their broadcast contracts and their their stranglehold on the American psyche when it comes to sports. So they are probably the one – they're probably –
1: not the only in the best position to yeah. have high yeah I was gonna say they're
0: uh, one of the only leagues I'm not saying the only league but they're one of the only leagues in North America where they can really like be a hard line on this and probably win
1: I will say that you know we've talked about Dak Prescott for the last like seven eight days now and I don't I've had people text me and, and I've had these conversations with people either off the record or on um I don't think anybody believes that Jerry jones is allowing any of his players to not be vaccinated whether whatever they're going to say um, in 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 the public eye so i agree with you on that point I think that also you know the messaging it doesn't necessarily match the reality and definitely doesn't match the economic reality um, and and especially in a sport like football where you have such short longevity um and when your next day is not guaranteed so yeah i i agree with that i just wish uh, i wish it didn't take these conversations i wish that we didn't even have to have this conversation again frankly.
0: I, I i recognize that there's polarization in the united states and there's always going to be certain issues that um people disagree on just i just in my whatever knucklehead opinion this should have never been one and uh it's amazing that it became one and part of the reason that it is one is where we are in certain parts of the country with this all right kavith is there anything else olympics wise that you want to get to before i uh before i let you go you're an in-demand guest i see you on television all the time lately so i don't want to take up too much of your time in case your your booking agent is on the other line
1: well, no, thanks. I'm in demand as as so far as you know the last couple of days goes, but that's uh, you know <laughs> what it is. Is
0: it the Kavitha I, Davidson salad days right now when it comes to?
1: I, I think I think it's honestly it's it's a couple of days and then and then you won't see me for another four years, so it's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're like yeah, you're like uh, I'm trying to think of. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> you're like, you're like a swimmer like for American audience, you're like that incredible swimmer.
1: I'm the media version of the Olympics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're like that the incredible Olympic swimmer athlete, from right, like, yeah.
0: uh, Holland or, uh, you know, Japan <laughs> who are like, wow, that person's incredible. And then you don't think about him for the next
1: four years. Yeah. Um, the only thing, and I, I will bring this up until the day I die is, uh, baseball and softball being back in the Olympic program has been great. Been great. I know and in Paris
0: and the organizing committee, because of the Europeans don't play it. It's yeah. so frustrating. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but we'll probably have it in 2028 when when they're in LA. So, um, but yeah, baseball baseball being back is is pretty great. The idea of baseball is not a global sport, just as a continuation of some things that have been said about like Shohei Otani not being the face of the sport. I think that um, the Olympics are a, a really great showcase for discounting why that's not true.
0: I well, say so I'm glad you brought that up, and I'll we'll end on this because uh, you'll have an interesting take on this. Do you think it will? Well, maybe it doesn't happen in our lifetime. Maybe it does. But do you think we'll ever get to the point where Major League Baseball decides that Olympic baseball is a massively important branding exercise for them and they decide to go down the route that the NHL did where they stop their season and allow their players to play. You know, right now the Olympics are essentially an afterthought for major leaguers. They they don't play, they've never played. But could you like how fascinating would it be if like the mindset on that change and you had the best major leaguers playing this like two week Olympic tournament?
1: I think that we've had this conversation before, and they absolutely like Major League Baseball absolutely needs to get to the point where they do recognize that the Olympics could be a a major showcase for the best baseball players that exist. I think that um, just generally as well, Major League Baseball knows that they need to globalize, that the sport is global and embracing that. If we had an NBA equivalent, right, of, of baseball, if we had superstars that are on this kind of showcase in the way that we do right now um, for, for basketball, I think that it can only benefit a game that is trying to not only get younger, but also get uh, get more diverse and get more fans who aren't currently watching the game. And frankly, in 20 years, the, the most of the fans who are watching baseball Right now, are not going to still be with us, um, and and uh, and and the Olympics and a, a global showcase like this is a, a good way to do that. I don't know how that counteracts with the world baseball classic um but i think that we also saw last year when none of us had live sports when none of us had baseball uh we were all waking up early to watch the kbo we were all watching korean baseball and uh and and obviously baseball is a gigantic game in in japan so I think that it behooves Major League Baseball to embrace that instead of trying to shun that.
0: The World Baseball Classic, that initial one, or maybe it was the initial one. The Mm -hmm. second one was awesome. Like I was so into that for a while. Um, So, yeah, I I would love to see it. I think it actually would be great for the global branding in the game. I do certainly recognize how many logistics hurdles will have to be jumped um, in order for MLB. To pull that off. Uh, Kavitha Davidson is a sports and culture writer for The Athletic, host of the Culture Calculus Podcast. You can see her on various uh, um, news outlets around the world at this point, not even just the United States. And she's always uh, she's always great to come on to this podcast. I pay her zero dollars for it, so she's totally doing it as a favor to me. Uh, but I appreciate it all the same. Kavitha, thanks so much. You'll be back. Um, I always like talking to you, and uh, and thanks for joining me on the Sports Media Podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Richard.
0: All right, back in the studio. My thanks to Kavitha for popping on. She's always great. Uh, Has uh, just really interesting insight into all of this terrific writers. So I always appreciate her coming on. Uh, Previous um, podcast prior to this, we had um, Chad Finn uh, previewing actually the Olympics and what we thought uh, viewership might be. And uh, Melanie Newman uh, on her journey calling major league baseball game. She works for the Orioles and you know, she calls Orioles games, I should say, for Mass uh, Massive Network. Prior to that, Jamel Hill on what's next for ESPN regarding Maria Taylor, etc. That obviously has uh, sort of played itself out. Jamel predicted Maria Taylor would leave and she, did, uh, she indeed did. And uh, Fabian Ardiaud covering Shohei Ohtani. He now covers the Dodgers for us, but to cover the Angels for a long time. And then uh, just go down the archives list, hopefully something you like. Mike Golick, Michael Kay, John Werthine, Ian Dark and the list goes on and on. Uh, If you like this stuff, please leave us a uh, five-star review and a nice note. That is how this podcast continues. My thanks, of course, to Patrick Antonetti for producing this podcast. Thanks to everybody at Cadence 13 for their support. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.